The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, man, it's been a little bit since we talked. We're apparently going into this, like, uh, doing it every two weeks now for some reason. We've just been busy with life. I know we both have, so how's it been, man? It has been uh, swell. I was going to say the same thing is we try and record once a week, but this past month seems to be some speed to bumps along the way. And that's OK. That happens. Uh, but people have been asking, why aren't you guys putting out an episode this week? So that's why we are trying to stick to the once a week format. But we do uh, not get paid for this show. So sometimes life intervenes and we have to take care of those personal issues first. So that's why we still love everybody, but that's that's what's been going on. So we'll get back to once a week, um, probably next year, two years. I don't know. I'm joking. Five years. I mean, <laughs> five years. Eventually. It's a five year plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Plan. I'm super excited tonight, Ben. Why is that, Tom? Well, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we're talking about one of my favorite subjects in the world boobies exactly and we have an amazingly (laughs) awesome guest tonight a miss lana you want to say hi miss lana hey do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself (laughs) 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 my name's lana i'm a nurse practitioner been a nurse practitioner since 2007 diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018 Oh, so this right. is real recent. Yep, it is. Yep, I just finished all my treatment um, in December. Awesome on that. So, and we'll get more into that as we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not awesome, but I'm glad you're done. So. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's I mean, okay. like, awesome. yeah. it is awesome because it's done. <laughs> so Ben is one of the nicest guys I know, and you should see his face. He's like, damn it. Like that look <laughs> on his face right now. Oh my god, that was worth it right there. <laughs> so um yeah, we'll get we'll get into uh so, well, I guess we can get into it now. So what type of uh, nurse practitioner? Are you family, your acute care? Yep, I'm a family. Um I worked urgent care for about five years and then I've been doing family practice ever since. And did no. you, I was gonna say, do you have a preference? Yeah, probably urgent care. Oh, really? That kind of surprises me. Well, you know what? I like the I like not knowing what's coming in, you know, quick in and out, you know, to the point. I like that. But I like the hours and the schedule better with family practice. That's fair. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I work in a urgent care type setting. And while I love what I do, especially right now with flu season winding up, I'm like, oh, God. Every every day is a constant fight to not stab myself in the eye with a toothpick dipped in Tabasco sauce. Yeah, so, yeah, I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I I do I I love taking care of my patients and I love the staff I work with. So I mean, it all works out. But I am uh, myself transitioning to primary care here in a few months. So, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll see how that all works out. So maybe I'll give you a call and be like, hey. How did you deal with this? <laughs> so. That's right. Now, have you done primary care before? Uh, no, I'm still a relatively new nurse practitioner. So I, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to explain without getting too specific, but I work in a family practice setting and I work as like an overflow person that does urgent care on the side. Okay. So I work with the primary care guy. So I have a good understanding of what we're going to be doing. And sometimes I help out with their patients. 
but primarily I'm a walk-in urgent care type provider. So okay, it's, it's, it's a little I mean, bit it's of a big change, you know, but it's definitely worth it. You get to know your patients a little bit more, you know, you get to manage the chronic illnesses and stuff. So, I mean, I've really enjoyed it, but I just kind of feel like urgent care is more my, my thing, but I like, you know, I'll do family practice cause I like it and I like, I like the hours. So before you were a nurse practitioner, when you were a RN, what did mm-hmm. you work in? Labor and delivery. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So when I graduated, I went to work in an urgent care so I could see a little bit of every everything because all I knew was vaginas. You know, yeah, I was so, yeah. So basically um I thought I need to go to work somewhere where I'm gonna see a little bit of everything and kind of get you know, and that's what I did. I, I was gonna say that would be one of the I, I pitfalls of labor and delivery without making it sound bad is you are very siloed. You're very niche. That's like yes. that's all yes. you're going to see. So, yeah. Right. And I knew I didn't want to be a midwife. Um, I don't like getting up in the middle of the night. I don't like, you know, so I knew, <laughs> I knew that was not for me. And so when I was getting my bachelor's, I volunteered at a free clinic and I thought, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, I want to be a nurse practitioner and volunteer at a free clinic. And so I have done that some, through the years, but, um, labor delivery was always what I did. And, but midwifery was not for me. Well, I, I gotta be That's honest. something we have in common. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah labor <laughs> delivery is one of the few things, um, Ben and I have ER backgrounds. I mean, I think I, I've done a few more things like ICU and stuff, but we're primarily ER and, uh, when the call comes in, oh, we have a uh, ambulance inbound with a pregnant female. We're like, nope, you had better just <laughs> keep on going. I'll hand her car wrecks and amputations. And but if you say pregnant female, nope, you better just keep on moving. I would literally go hold the elevator doors. Like, nope, come this way. <laughs> you, you need to go right through there is where you need to go. That's yeah. funny. Yep. I'll never forget one time a patient delivered in the field. And I had been a labor and delivery nurse for so long. I said, why was she in a field? <laughs> and I mean, and I was as serious as I could be. I thought, I don't right. even know. Why was she out in a field? So Yes. I, I love, <laughs> I love when someone says, when someone says something and then you say something like that, we've all yeah. done it. Yeah. And then everybody looks at you. You're like, Oh, wait a second. I missed <laughs> exactly. <a point. laughs> I must have said something stupid, you know, but yeah, it was like, I really seriously, I thought that too. I was like, well, how long is she out in the field for? <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Ben. Yes. yes this sir. is, this is this is uh, coming up on um, Ben's favorite part of the show. Every time, right? Yeah, every time. <clears throat> All right, it's our social media shout let's out, see. Dom. Yeah, let's let's see if you still got it. I know it's been a little while. Let's see if I me 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 me. me. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, okay, I think I got it. All right. So you can find us on right, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or www.justsomepodcast.com. Or you can email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Don't forget, you can also find us on the iHeartRadio apps. And you can also find us on Helium Radio. We're on Helium Radio After Dark. That's their channel, too. We are on there Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Tom, I don't forget anything yeah. that time. What else can they do to help us out, man? Well, the biggest thing that they can do to help us out, and they have been more than generous to do so, and we appreciate it, is that they go to the Just Some Podcast website. They scroll down to just about the bottom of the page. There's a link to Amazon. If you click on that, it'll take you to Amazon. You can continue your shopping, and we get a small amount of proceeds for some of the stuff you buy. It costs you nothing. You won't even know we were there, and it helps out the show, and we truly appreciate it. And so many people really honestly have used it. It has been the response has been awesome. So we absolutely appreciate and no, in case you're wondering, we get a list of some of the things that have been purchased, but we don't know who, when, where, what, any of that stuff. So, you know, you feel free to buy the inflatable sheep that you've always wanted. It is not going to uh, come up to us as, you know, miss, uh, Lana there, uh, bought it. Lana or Lana? Lana. 
with your accent that sounds the Lana. exact same to me. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah. so there you go. I would say her. So <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You just say her. That's well, fine. I thought I had it earlier from when we did pre-show and we were talking, and then you were talking and you introduced yourself. I was like, well, crap. Have I been singing? It's okay. Okay. Well, there you go. You know what? If you're in the ballpark, I'm fine. All right. Well, you know, I am a Yankee, so maybe that's why I can't say. Yep. It. There you go. That's the problem. That's what I'm thinking. That's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But hey, shout out to the person who did buy the Finnegar and Fowler's uh, Procedures book through our Amazon link. We appreciate that. And that's yeah, a great book. Obviously, anyway, they so. were listening. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So now we, uh, I think we got that up. Oh, crap. Something just fell at my house. That's cool. Earthquake. Oh, no. All right. So what would you just do? I said earthquake. Get shit falling. Yeah. No, no. It was not. Okay. Good. But that's okay. So. Let's see here. Check, check. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think it's story time, right? We got to remind ourselves what we're doing every once in a while. So, yeah. So getting into our stories that we may have missed was actually shared in one of the nurse practitioner groups that Tom and I are a part of. But I thought it was an interesting story, so I thought I would tell it anyway, and it kind of ties into what we're talking about tonight. Tom, there was a woman in England who learned that she had cancer from a photo at a tourist attraction. It was a uh, British tourist. Her name is, uh, we're going to go with Bal, maybe B-A-L, Bal, Bal, Gil. She's a 41-year-old mother <laughs> from England. I know, I butchered that. <laughs> if she's listening, I'm sorry. Email me, tell me how to pronounce it. Um, yeah, give us the phonetics. So they visited the Camera Obscura and World of Illusions in Edinburgh, Scotland during a family vacation. And one of the cameras was in a thermal imaging camera room, uh, which basically can tell you to see how hot or cold your your body is. During her picture, she noticed that there was a heat patch that was red coming from her left breast. They thought it was weird, so they took a picture of it. She went home and did some research and determined that that could potentially be a sign of uh, a cancer. So she made an appointment with her doctor and... Uh, it turns out she did have early stage breast cancer and she was in early stages. And so they've been able to do some surgeries to try to prevent it from spreading. But it was all from a thermal imaging camera at a, a tourist attraction. Wow. I did not see that. That's really interesting. I saw that. I think that is interesting, too. You got to think there's got to be some future breast cancer, you know, treatments or diagnosis with something like that that's what i was just gonna say is how easy would it be to just be like oh you meet this criteria come in here and stand in front of a fleer and we can take an early stage and see if uh, there's something to investigate that's pretty awesome i have heard one other thing and um i was talking to somebody about this today and it's semi related to what we were just talking about so there is new imaging software that they use for a lot of mammograms do you know where they got the algorithm for the computer program. Does anybody no, know? I don't. No. The Hubble Space Telescope. Really? Yes. So NASA used this stuff for uh, digitizing and clearing up pictures for deep space uh, exploration, and they figured out, hey, this can work on tissue. And so now there is, um, and I don't know the specifics. I don't know. I don't remember which one. I wish I did. But uh, there are people that are finding breast cancer much, much earlier due to the Hubble Space Telescope. So and next time someone says, why do we fund NASA? Because we because <laughs> they create stuff to explore and we can use it in the real world now. So that uh, I thought was pretty interesting. So that is interesting. Yeah, that is. So now it's time. Now it's time. Now it's time. <laughs> so here is the deal, Miss Lana. That sounds That's right. Enough. There you go. That's so what kind of cancer were you diagnosed with? I was diagnosed with estrogen and progesterone driven tumors. Um, I am not BRCA positive. I'll just tell you a little bit. I had to have a mammogram in July of 2017 that was normal. Um, had a physical in September of 2017 with a normal breast exam. January of 18, I noticed a lump and it was big. I mean, I'm talking like, I told my husband it felt like somebody had cut my skin and put a Lego in there. That's what it felt like. Oh, wow. And I mean, even being a nurse practitioner, I thought, well, I just had a normal mammogram. I just had a normal breast exam. I have no family history. This is fibrocystic. 
you know, I mean, and plus it was just like one night it was just there. And I don't know why that is. My my thought on that is I feel like that it was probably growing underneath the muscle. And then once it got heavy, it just popped on top and I could feel it. And so I, I blew it off for about six weeks just thinking, well, it's got to be fibrocystic. It can't be anything bad. I don't have a family history. And so finally I went and saw my nurse practitioner the end of February of 18. And I could tell from the minute she touched it. And she was like, you know, how did you let this go? And I've just, you know, I, I felt stupid, but I really felt like it wasn't anything in the beginning. So mine was hormone driven and it grew very, very rapidly. They went back and looked at my mammogram to see if they had missed anything, you know, a BB size lesion or anything. And they didn't see, they didn't see anything. And so the next day I went over to mammogram and they did a boxy and I remember thinking, oh, I'm just going to run over there. It's going to be real quick. And I asked the radiologist, I said, um, what percentage do you think this is cancer? And she said, 70%. <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, can you call next door and have them cancel my afternoon? And they really rushed my specimen and stuff. So I knew by the next morning that it was breast cancer. Wow. I will say one thing I would like people to know is 85% of women with breast cancer don't have a family history. So, See, that that's yeah. that's news to me. And, I mean, I, I hate to sound, well, ignorant, but that's exactly what it is. There's a lot about breast cancer that, honestly, I don't know. And I'm hoping that by us doing this show that – for those other nurse practitioners, nurse practitioner students. And we actually have quite a few non-healthcare listeners yeah. that maybe this is the type of information that we can say, Hey, you know, if your sister, your mom, your cousin happens to mention this at Thanksgiving, remember this, you know, like these are the life-saving things that hopefully this helps. So it happened fast. That's one of the first things I'm noticing about your story is like within yeah. months we had a complete change. Yes, exactly. So, so is that type of speed, um, for lack of any better knowledge, is it that fast growth hallmark of that type of tumor? Or is that common with other types of breast cancer? No, I don't think it is. I think it, I think it is probably common with the hormone-driven cancer. Um, but a lot of people um, don't have rapid-growing tumors like that. You know, they'll have like a little lump and it just kind of, just stays small. And the funny thing about mine was the time I felt it, it never changed. So it's not like over the six weeks I waited, it got any bigger, but it grew so rapidly. And, and that's why I just, I don't really, honestly, I don't know. Did it grow underneath the muscle and pop on top? That's what I'm thinking happened because I know that lump had not been there. And so that's one thing I think about, you know, having to tell women, you know, now they don't recommend self-breast exams anymore. And I kind of, I disagree with that because if I, and not that I was really even doing a self-breast exam, but I was in the shower and I just felt it. And it was such a huge lump that, you know, I just feel like women should check their breasts because that's going to be, you're going to feel something different before a mammogram is going to pick it up every year. Well, see, that's okay. So I thought the new guidelines were women should continue to do self breast exams, but we did not need to continually the yearly self or yearly breast exam. Yeah, that's true. So the new guidelines say self well, too. You know what's funny is I looked it up on the American Cancer Association, and I swear that's what it said, but I'll double check that. Okay, because I could have swore that it said continue self, but okay. we did not need to continue in office. Okay. I know they're not supposed to do it anymore. Which is a real shame, if you ask me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know now they don't want mammograms to start until age 45, which I disagree with, too, because I know quite a few, you know, just friends who have been in their early 40s who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, I, I and I'm sure, Ben, as funny as it is to say stuff like that for a male – it's not exactly the most comfortable. Like I don't mind the breast exams I've had to do. Um, it, it was more in school than it is in the urgent care, but it's never a, um, 
this is going to be a fun outing for us. We're like, okay, <laughs> this is not, right. you know, so for those non-healthcare professionals out there, trust me, I'm sure there is some wacko out there in the world that is perverted. But for the grand majority of us, we are legitimately just trying to get an exam done. And it's not something that we're there to enjoy. So I, I just to try and keep the subject matter light, but it's not realistically anything that we're looking forward to doing. So, Ben, you you have a question. I was going to let you go first. So I was just going to say, uh, (laughs) thanks. So, so Lana, so from the biopsy, you were diagnosed the next day. Mm -hmm. So then how long of a time did, before you got into oncology, I mean, kind of, can you walk us through kind of what happened from that point? So March 1st, I found out, March 1st of 18, I found out it was breast cancer. I uh, made an appointment with oncology, made an appointment with a surgeon. I ended up choosing to have a bilateral mastectomy on March 23rd. I chose bilateral because the tumor in the left breast was four centimeters. And so they were going to have to do that side anyway. And so I just said, take them both. And their response was chances of getting breast cancer in the right breast are less than 10%. And I said, my chances of getting it period were less than two. So I don't want to risk it. And the doctor that did my surgery, he did a lot of education and a lot of teaching and probably spent over an hour with us giving me options. But I went ahead and chose to have the bilateral mastectomy. So I did that um, March 23rd started chemo May 3rd, did four rounds of adromyosin cytoxin, which is called the red devil, lost all my hair, and then 12 weeks of Taxol, which is a different kind of chemo. I did that weekly. And then after that, I did 35 rounds of radiation. Wow. So- yep, it just kind of went, you know, um, it, it went from diagnosis to boom you know, everything just happened very quickly. So without hopefully getting too personal then, so after you had the bilateral mastectomy, then have you went back and done like plastics to rebuild? You know what? I haven't. I have not. And I didn't do anything at the time. I I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was like, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And so met with a plastic surgeon and, you know, I just didn't, I don't know. So I decided not to do anything. So now a year has passed almost since I finished radiation. And so now I think, well, you know, maybe I'll try it. So I have an appointment with a plastic surgeon on November 7th, just a consult, because if he's going to tell me that I have to have drains or I have to have anything like that, I'm not going to do it because I had to have drains for six weeks after my mastectomy and I never want to do that again. And so I'm going to go meet with him, just kind of get a, you know, how much time would I have to miss from work? You know, what are we talking about? I know what they do. Um, He would have to go in and put in expanders Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And I just don't know what we're talking about pain wise or, you know, how long of a process that would be and what I would be looking at surgery wise. So I am going to go meet with one just to kind of talk about it. But so far, I haven't done anything. Hmm. Well, and I, I would say I, I can't imagine being in that position, but yeah, I think that's, that's a really reasonable way to look at it. I think so many people just automatically assume that, oh, you're going to get a mastectomy. So you're going to get breast implants. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's as common as people think. I think there's lots of women that choose to not move forward with plastics right. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I've met a lot, you know, that have chosen not to. Um, I've met a lot that's chosen to, and I think it's just a personal choice. There are times I think, I wonder if I should have, you know, or, but, you know, then there's times where I think, hey, I don't ever have to wear a bra, and that's pretty nice. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't have to wear a bra or anything, and so I like that too, but, it's just, you know, it's just such a personal choice. And I think, you know, my husband was very supportive with whatever I chose to do. And I think that makes a huge difference too, you know, and just kind of your support system and, you know, your relationship and that kind of thing. I think that makes a big difference. 
Well, that kind of leads into what my next question was going to be then. So obviously you said your husband was very supportive of, of your choice and, and obviously has been supportive through everything. What about work? His work and not as about not not in regards to your choice of of getting breast implants or not, but I mean just as a whole for supporting you in, in regards to your cancer. Then was I mean how was it very supportive or how very was how was that? Very supportive. I had been with the same job at that time for over ten years, and when I was diagnosed, I mean it was. I was extremely supportive for everything. I had a Relay for Life team. We sold T-shirts. I, when I was out of work, they did everything they could for me. And, you know, that's one thing I will say is the job. It, oh, I, I can't even express how supportive everybody was. And it was very nice that I never once felt like I was, you know, leaving that. Well, okay. Let me start back. Okay, let me just say, in the beginning, when I was first diagnosed, we were hiring a new physician, and I was the only provider in the office. And so I found out I had breast cancer. I went and met with the oncologist, and I said, is there any way I can wait six weeks before I have surgery? And he said, why? And I said, well, my son's turning 18. We have a camping trip planned, and we have a new doctor starting at work, and I want to get her oriented. And he looked at me and said, no. And I said, okay, <laughs> all right. You know, but, you know, I just wanted to ask. And he went and he told no. And that, you know what? That was ridiculous. But in my mind at the time, I was thinking about everything other than the fact that I had breast cancer. I, I would, I would like to just say as much as I agree with that doctor and I'm glad he put his foot down and said, no, I also don't think it's ridiculous that you were trying to plan on your life around the situation i mean i agree that it needed taken care of and i'm glad that that happened i just don't think it's unreasonable for a person to think about other things at that moment i think we all do that i think that's a perfectly human response so i i I just don't think anybody should ever feel bad i mean i'm glad that you didn't wait but i think that's the human response is well can i do other stuff and that's why i think it's also very important for people to go to those professionals that can guide us and say, no, you you can't, you know, and that's why it's important for us to branch out and and talk to those people that have that knowledge. So one last thing I want to ask about, because I think Ben's looks like he's, he's just chomping at the bit to ask another question, but hold on a second. So I am sure that you have delivered bad news. I know Ben has talked about delivering bad news. I certainly have been involved in many cases with that, but I've always been the person on the delivery side so so that people can understand or people that are nurse practitioners or PAs listen to this. So they, they get the sense of what their, their patient's going to go through. What was it like or how, what was the feeling when they said you have cancer? Oh, you know what? It's so hard. I don't really I think when when I first knew that day, because I knew the day they did the biopsies, I could just tell. And I came home and I told my husband and I told my children. And I remember my son asking me, um, why did this happen to you? You don't smoke. You don't do stuff. You know, why did this happen to you? And I said, I don't know. You know, this is how it works. And I just remember... I think in, at first I was in denial and I don't, I don't know. I just don't remember. I'm trying to think about it. And I think that I just thought it just can't, this really just can't be happening to me. You know, I mean, I don't have any family history. I don't have any. And I just think I was in denial, but everything happened so quickly. And I had my mastectomy on March 23rd and then my mother fell and died from a head injury on April 18th before I started chemo. And so I had so much happening that I think I just went through the motions. And I'm not sure. I don't think it hit me until it was all said and done. And then then I think I kind of had this little mini breakdown where it's kind of like when you're fighting the battle, you have so many people there supporting you and you have people bringing food and you have all this kind of stuff. And then when it's all over 
everybody thinks everything is better and everybody kind of goes back to their houses and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, that's kind of when you need people is because everything is over and now you've got the aftermath, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. And I mean, you just, I think as a patient, you know, here you are, a woman, you know, breasts are important. And all of a sudden, I can remember laying there thinking, I look like an alien. I am bald. You know, you have, you lose all your body hair. If nobody, you know, every single bit of your body hair is gone. I have no breast. I, you know, I just felt like I had lost who I was. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see myself anymore. I saw a stranger. And it's been almost a year, and sometimes I still see that stranger. Huh. Yeah, I mean, because I don't, wow. I don't look the same. You know, I don't look, I don't look the same. I look, my hair is completely different. Um, that kind of thing. So, so have you? Is is professional counseling part of the support that you have sought? after is that a standard like for most breast cancer it's a standard but i really feel like people need to have somebody to talk to because it's it's hard it's much you know i will say every day is getting better it it gets better my hair is growing out i'm feeling more like myself now but it is a struggle and i just feel like if you don't have a lot of support and i had tons of support and I feel for people who don't have that. I mean, I had it with friends and family and job and everything. I had so much support and still do. And, you know, I just feel for people who don't have that. And I feel like I always kind of look to try to find, you know, there's breast cancer support groups, there's therapists, there's things that can deal with this kind of thing. But you really, you lose so much of yourself when you're diagnosed with any kind of cancer. And I just feel like as a woman, when you go through breast cancer and your appearance changes so much, you just, you kind of lose who you are. And I I think it just takes a while to get that back. And so now you've been deemed cancer free, I mean, with the bilateral mastectomy and radiation and everything. So the way my oncologist works, it is, I'll never be able to walk in there and he'll tell me that I'm cancer free. Okay. But... I have done everything that I was supposed to do, and now I'm going to be on tamoxifen, which is a hormone blocker, for five years. And then it that may end up being 10 years. It kind of rotates. Um, studies show five years, 10 years, that kind of thing. Right now, the plan is for me to be on it for five years. I started in January. So... And then, I mean, I don't have breasts. I don't have um, mammograms anymore. And they don't do routine screenings. They don't do like routine chest CTs or um, abdominal CTs or anything like that. You just, you're symptomatic. They check you. And if not, you just assume that you're cancer-free. So I'm trying to, okay, again, if it's too personal, you can tell me no, you don't answer no, it. We'll remove this part fine. out. There was a video that went around several years ago it was it kind of went viral on social media and it was a gentleman who was town hall meeting with a senator and they were talking about health insurance and things like that. And he was talking about his wife who had, had been diagnosed with cancer. And so like every pain that she gets or everything that she gets in the back of her mind, it's always, is this the cancer coming back? Is that something that you deal with? Every single day. Hmm. Well, it's because I read this kind of towards the end of my treatment last year, and it has really, really stuck with me. And I read it online uh, from a girl who had gone through breast cancer. And she said, probably this happens with any kind of cancer, but when your body betrays you in such a way after you have trusted it, it's hard to ever trust it again. That seems reasonable. Yeah. So you do, you know, I'm I'm a little bit better, I think, than I was. I haven't had an x-ray in probably three months. So, you know, I mean, at first I was like, oh, I need a hip. My hip needs an x-ray. I need a KUB. You know, um, well, I have had an ultrasound. But, you know, I've really had, th- I think I'm doing better. I think each day, you know, but anytime I have any kind of weird 
you know, back pain or something because, oh, I hope it's not my spine. I hope it's not, you know. No, I don't think that unusual concerning the circumstances. Hell, I've never had anything like that. And I've always said if I won the lottery, the first thing I would do is get a head-to-toe MRI and a heart cath. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, to me, yeah. that – to me, this all sounds perfectly normal. I mean, well, <laughs> perfectly normal for being like, oh, my God, is that because I mean, obviously, this is so much on a smaller scale, but I just had a kidney stone one time. Right. That's yeah. it. Right. <laughs> Clearly not cancer related. But I will tell you every time if I get a, a, a real sharp pain in my back, like out of yeah. nowhere, I yeah. go into cold sweats like, yeah. oh, my God here it comes and I'm going to die. This is going to be terrible. And I I think it's the ultimate betrayal. Like you said, like I've lived with this body my whole life and it tried to, to get me, you know, dead. That's unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, it really, it did. And, and I'm, you know, I'm like, I have my mammograms every year. I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, and here it, this body does this to you. And so it's almost like walking around with a gun to your head because you're constantly worried that something's going to happen. But I mean, like I said, I think that's getting better. Well, I, I applaud you because yeah, you're stronger than I am. We'll put it that way. (laughs) You never know. How has your diagnosis and treatment then how, how has that impacted you as a provider and providing care to others? Um, I think I, I think I'm a much better listener than I used to be, because I think you have to listen to a lot of times to what people aren't saying, and so I feel like I've just learned more about myself, and so I try to be more present in the situation, even with doing um, like meeting a new patient or that kind of thing. I try to listen better and just be a better provider than I was not that I was I mean I was a good provider but I feel like now I just listen and definitely teach women about self-breast exams and preventative screenings for you know males females and even you know men can get breast cancer so that's another thing if the male patient or anybody feels a lump in their breast they definitely need to get it checked you know because I think there's like Four percent of breast cancers are men. So I just had this whole mental image in my head of my wife walking into the bathroom while I'm in the shower, going, "What are you doing?" And yes. I'm like, "Hey, Lana said do self breast exams. Okay. By God, I'm doing them right now." That's right. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is how I found my mom was in the shower just just bathing, and I just rubbed my hand over it, and I thought, "Okay." That hadn't been there. And it was just very noticeable. And so that's why I think that when you have something like that happen and you feel it, it's just completely different. And so you'll, even with men, if you notice anything in the shower or whatever, you'll notice it and you'll be able to tell the difference. Hmm. It's just, like you said, it's scary. I know a woman's health nurse practitioner. She said, you know, she taught, you know, she's a women's health nurse practitioner. She taught people about breast cancer, etc. And she was getting dressed, she said, and she had her arm above her head and she noticed something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, how scary is it that a professional, a recognized expert in her field, it took it took that one thing. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, she did all the stuff. She did all right. the stuff we're supposed right. to do. Exactly. Tell people that we're doing. And, and I know that we catch it early by doing those preventative exams, but they're still without a lack of education, without a lack of proactive screening, doing it yourself. I know two people personally now, I consider talking to you now, yeah, personal. Yeah. To, I know two people now personally that have found it by accident. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's still, it's astounding to me that with all the information and technology we have, we're still finding things by accident like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know um, a friend of mine noticed hers the same way, just lifting her arm and she saw something that didn't look right. And that's how she found hers. Same thing that you said, you know I mean? It's just, 
it's just so weird how it happens. And you know, I mean, yes, mammogram finds a lot, but I, I know a lot of people who just, just find it by accident. And I just think that that's why it's so important just to kind of know your body and that kind of thing and be preventative and just kind of, you know, if something feels funny or looks funny, get it checked. There you go. Yeah. Well, Tom, I wanted to kind of wrap up with some statistics and then we can go into our no. final segment. Yes. No. Yes. No. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. Oh, let me say, let me say one thing right quick. Um, women should do self-breast exams. I did look that up. And so women should still do self-breast exams. They're just recommending that as providers, we don't do that yearly breast exam with a physical anymore, which I still have been, you know, when you get in the family practice time, you're, you can do it too. And so That'll be great. There you go, Tom. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just saying, Lana, if if you want to come to Ohio, I'll uh, be like, hey, it's time for your physical, Lana. So <laughs> well, guess what? I have a flat. Well, right. you might you might <laughs> not <laughs> then. So who knows? You said you don't know. So that's true. Uh, yes, I don't know. I have an appointment coming I lo- up. I love the the whole mental image of her going. This is awkward. I'm like, yep, yep, but we're doing it, Lana. So. <laughs> That's right. Look, hey, there's nothing here, but you know, hey, check it out. Oh goodness! All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you want to go some statistics, but um, I'm going to throw out other random statistics. I'm joking. So, I'm not going to. I was like, I'm going to start saying like baseball box scores. Like, did you know the Houston Astros have never lost more than three games in a row this entire season? So I did not know that. <laughs> Only Houston Astro fans know that. <laughs> I'm not a Houston Astro fan. It's just a random fact. So, so about one in eight U.S. women, about twelve percent, will develop in, uh, invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. For men, that risk is one in eight hundred and eighty-three. Um, in 2019, an estimated 268,600 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in the United States. For women in the United States, breast cancer death rates are higher than those for any other cancer besides lung cancer. Um, As of January 2019, there are more than 3.1 million women with a history of breast cancer in the United States. That includes women currently being treated and women who have finished treatment. A woman's risk for breast cancer nearly doubles if she has a first-degree relative, mother, sister, or daughter who has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Less than 15% of women who get breast cancer have a family member diagnosed with it. And as Lana said earlier, about 85% of breast cancers occur in women who have no family history of breast cancer. Uh, These occur due to genetic mutations that happen as a result of the aging process and life in general rather than inherited mutations. And Tom, do you know how many mammograms have been done as of October 1st, 2019 for the year? 39 million. Exactly, because I told you that earlier. Over 39 million. <laughs> Let's clarify. Uh, Tom's original answer off the air was 1 million. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he said it. I was, to be fair, okay, we were talking. I was writing down some notes for the show. And he's like, How many? And I was like, I don't know. I'll tell my head. I don't know. Like 1.5 million. He's like, 39 million. I'm like, So clearly nowhere close to my aunt. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Yeah, total annual total annual mammogram procedures reported as of October 1, 2019, 39,630,813. That's good. That's that's great. And honestly, yeah. after hearing her story, I'm like, why aren't we doing more? <laughs> like it just seems God, it just scares me. And I live not far away from the Stephanie Spielman Breast Cancer Center. Uh, it's part of the James Cancer Center for Ohio State. And I know there's some of the best people in the country, pro- probably the world, at this. And I just want to go up there now and be like, okay, guys, clearly I missed the boat on some education. And it is October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. So we need to do some learning. So I'm so glad we had you on the show tonight. I am glad, too. But I enjoy, you know, I mean, really, I've told my story a lot. And uh I just feel like if it can help any anybody, but I was in my old job, um, right after I was diagnosed, I bet 75 people or more went and had mammograms that had not had one recently. So, you know, if, you know, if it can save one person, then great. I'm glad I've done it. Well, you have just told your story to uh, 
thousands of people on all seven continents now. So, oh no, I saw that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, there are some people trying to translate this, or they as they're listening to this, you know, in foreign <laughs> countries. And one, and one motherfucker in Vermont, one. But you know, we got like- him. We've had much. Okay, but you know what? That Vermont one's never going to be able to figure it out because I'm way too southern. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> They're going to use the same so. Google Translate. So. <laughs> Google Translate Southern. Uh, yeah. Oh goodness. Well, Lana, are you ready for our final segment of the show? I am ready. All right, let me cue up the music here. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest as we ask. Five, 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 five questions. All right, Lana, this is five questions. We ask the same five questions to all of our guests. Okay. I ask the question, Tom makes fun of your answers. Okay. Right, Tom? That's the dynamic we decided on. <laughs> all right, question one. Lana, what is your favorite medical word? Favorite medical word? Mm, chlamydia. Oh, Jesus. Well, because wow. it sounds like a flower, but it's not. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's a valid point. It kind of does. Like, I mean, it does. Chlamydia. You know, it just like, sounds like a flower. And plus, it's really hard to spell. You know, and I, so, I, I don't know. That's just what popped in my head. Chlamydia, the flower. I love the whole. I got a whole row of chlamydia blooming out on the. I mean, if somebody, if you went to a nursery and said, "Hey, what kind of flower is that?" and they said, "Oh, that's the chlamydia bush," it would sound perfectly normal. She is correct. (laughs) Yeah, I got nothing for that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to start using that at work. We got another. We got a good old chlamydia bush blooming in room 22. I'll go back there to deal with it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I can't wait for the nurse. Uh, yeah, Tom. So they're complaining of uh, chlamydia bushes um, after going on. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. It happens. All right. Question two. If you could do any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? Oh, let's see. Probably um, a real estate agent because I like looking at houses, but I would only want clients who were real easy to deal with. So, you know, so nothing nothing hard, nothing hard. I used to say that if I was going to do anything non-medical, I would want to work like at Starbucks. But now I think I would like to go um, show houses and stuff like that all day. Well, I mean, it can be medical. Like, would you go back to school and become a surgeon or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. So, screw real estate. True. You know. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I want to cut people. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, I just figured with your accent, it would either be between NASCAR driver, moonshine distiller, wow. or a barbecue chef. You know what? I don't. I'm not a good cook, so that knocks that out. We. I did buy my husband a steel. So when I get that, when we get that up and running, I'll let you know. I. You had better. Yes. I will drive to your house for some okay. Lana moonshine. Okay. Yeah. So. It's going to be called um, the Chlamydia Bush Shine. <laughs> Boom! So, Look I at like it. this. Yeah. There we go. You you heard it here first, okay. folks. Yep. Well, I'm gonna get the labels made and everything. I just I want there to be like um like if you do flavors I want a Tom flavor in okay. there somewhere. Okay. This is this is spicy it burns down south Tom moonshine. Okay. Yeah, like but, that special but, case. Spicy and but burns down tastes south. Like ass. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> it so, burns uh, when I pee, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so question three. Then I think back to your first car. Was it a stylish ride or a rolling turd? Oh, my gosh. It was a stylish ride. I had a 1976 Camaro with Krager Mag wheels, and it was wrapped up in the back, and my stereo had an equalizer power booster. It was the shit. Damn. She is not messing around. No, I'm telling you. No. But, you know, it was cool. You know what? I. 
she had my attention at Camaro, but when I knew she was serious was when she said mag wheels. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, she, yeah. She yeah. it had some mag wheels. Yes, it was something else. <laughs> Sounds like it, it was something else. So, uh, <laughs> it was. yeah. What was your top speed on it? You know what? Probably, I'd say probably 100 miles an hour. We had this little road in the um, town I grew up in, and we would go race Camaros. Well, uh, I raced another kind of Camaro, but I always had a car full of girls, So, and I think he let me win, but I always felt like my car was a little slower because it was full of people, and he just had his in his car, but I used to win all the time. Did you do anything to the motor just for? No. No. Mm-mm. No, it might have been before I bought it, but no, it was just all, it was all for looks, you know, but I had it for, I probably had it for a few years. And like I say, it broke down a lot and stuff, but it was good. I liked it. <laughs> That's a question. Win. Yeah, I mean, question four. If your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets are safe. What's the one thing you want to get out of your house? Hmm. Uh, probably my laptop just because most of my pictures and all that kind of stuff is on there. So I would think my laptop. Tom, we're going to change that question. No, no, we're not changing the question, but what is it up with chicks? And they always are worried about pictures. It wasn't all chicks. Eric was pictures. too. Well, because that's just something you can't replace. And that was Eric's answer too. See, well, you know what, though? It is in the cloud now. So, I mean, technically you can. But, you know, it's just kind of, when you think about it, you just want to make sure you have all that kind of stuff. I could have said, like, my grandmother's china, but then I would have died in the fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, she's being practical. She's being practical with this answer. So I'm going to grab this laptop because, you know, it's got everything I need on it. But see, Tom, I think for the future, we're going to have to be like, so if your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe, and all your pictures are safe, then what's the one thing you want to get out of here? I see. Yeah, the Lana variant. That's what we're going to start calling it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's fine. So, I I think that is important to a lot of people, though, is just, you know. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not important, but it just strikes me as. I get to keep one thing for the rest of my life. I don't know that pictures is the first thing. I'm like, I could take more pictures, but I can't replace. I I honestly, we answered this one time. I really don't remember what I said. I don't remember what you said either. I probably said something cool like uh, my genuine, authentic, uh, fabricated 1976 Sports Illustrated uh football phone or something i don't know but i just i don't remember it being it certainly i don't remember being pictures right yeah maybe it was your hundred seventy three thousand dollar dog oh fuck you <laughs> so yeah no you said my pet is safe i have a puppy now miss miss lana and was it that, was it that expensive? do what was it one hundred seventy three thousand dollars in, in in pesos maybe i don't know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I tell you right now, my wife was determined to get a puppy and just jammed it down my throat until I basically had a mental breakdown one day and just bought her a puppy. I'm so, just going to keep inflating the uh, price every time. <laughs> she, she picked the most expensive dog on the planet at this moment in time. So, yeah, I have one of those. So. 2.5 million right. dog. Yes. Yeah, in, in yen, it's at least 2.4 million. So. <laughs> And she is the she is the cutest little thing in the world. She's got all the coloring and body of like a cocker spaniel, but she's got the wrinkly fat face and uh, stuff like that, like a Sharpay. So it's uh, she she is adorable. She's still pissing on my floor. That's getting to me. But, uh, you know, everyone keeps telling me, oh, she's a puppy. She'll grow out of it. I'm like, well, her lifespan is rapidly shortening if she doesn't learn. <laughs> so she, she needs to get her ass in gear. And start pissing outside every time. But yeah, I mean, uh, she got shots. I I realized the other night um, how much she must have grown on me because she got her, her like last set of vaccination shots and she didn't have a good reaction. And she started throwing up. And my wife is at home, like, oh my god, what do I do? And I found myself at work going, oh my god, I gotta get home and make sure my puppy's okay. And I was like, damn it, this puppy's growing on me. So I, I knew then. Very very cute. She she is. I will send you a picture when we get off okay. the air. 
I'll, I'll send you a picture and you'll be like, oh my gosh, she's adorable. Everybody loves yeah, her. Yeah, so. that's cute. All right. Well, All right. We're, let's get this last one. Ben, Ben's, Ben's rolling his eyes so hard I can hear him clicking. So oh let's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Atlanta, question five. The, the question that will tell us all about you. It's like a mental Rorschach test that we can oh, hear yes. over a tele, uh, over a radio. So okay, okay. you have $9.18 in your pocket. What all do you buy? I'm going to buy a Reese's cup, some milk mm-hmm. and some onions. Oh my God. Will you marry you me? Go. I'm just <laughs> saying, Oh my God. That's, I that mean, is like road trip food, so that's what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give me a reason oh my... to get some milk and I'm gonna get onions. If she had thrown a Slim Jim in there, I would have been like, I'm <laughs> you know marrying okay. her tomorrow. I'm the Slim Jim in there too. I'm gonna me some Slim Jim. There you go. See, oh, she wants to make moonshine, she likes barbecue. <laughs> she pretty much said my grocery list. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I gotta uh... meet you. I got to meet you and give you a hug. I'm telling well, you. We got plenty of room here. All right. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll good? have to. When I can afford a visit because my expensive ass dog, maybe oh, I'll. That's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, 3.4 that oh. $3. million. Dollars. Yeah. yeah I, I want to. Every show now, I want to hear a new one. Did you know in Pakistan, that dog's worth 12 million rupees? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. You should look that up. That's going to be fun. Oh, God. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I had a great conversation, I thought. Me too. I, I, thought, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it was kind of uh, a little darker than what we normally talk about, but it was highly important, and it was good to hear your story from a provider standpoint. Yeah. And I think we ended with some laughs. So. Yeah, definitely. Tom, you got anything else you want to say? Um. No, no, I, I think I think we covered all of it. And like I said, I, I think the importance of the episode speaks for itself. I mean, not only do we have a uh, an awesome lady with a wealth of knowledge as a nurse practitioner, but she has a great, great might not be the most appropriate word. She has an important story to tell. And honestly, for me, like looking back over what we talked about, and I don't normally do this. I don't think I've ever done this, but I will tell you when you said you know you looked yourself in the mirror like oh my god you hit me in the feels yeah yeah i i i never heard anybody say it like that and i almost could like picture you standing there seeing yourself like that and i was like oh my god so Mm -hmm. it like it made it more personal for me like when i heard her say that i was like oh my god like what if that was my mom or my sister or my cousin or Ooh, yeah, so I, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on the yeah. show and uh, talking to us and giving us some good information. And hopefully there are people around the world that are going to hear this and they're going to say, hey, I know that there's something wrong. And instead of just letting it go or telling myself it's okay, they're going to go out and get it checked. Exactly. Hashtag check your boobies. That's right. Bam. Yes. So, I mean, I've been so hard on myself trying to behave and not just scream out like things right now because, oh, my goodness. It is. It's an easy, slippery slope to start saying boobies on this episode. (laughs) Don't don't be surprised, Tom, if when in the editing – doesn't lose part of that and it just comes out with you saying i was so hard and then it just cuts out oh my <laughs> god <laughs> you are such a uh, god I, be great. I just want to punch i just want to punch here i'm going to give you a testicle exam by punching you in them and then we'll just see what happens there you go you jerk but no i i thought it was great i had a blast but if you like this episode make sure you go do yourself breast exams Go talk to your provider, or if you're a provider and you have a problem, go get a mammogram done. Hashtag check your boobies. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Just Some Podcast, web, www.justsomepodcast.com, email admin at justsomepodcast.com. Or if you feel like it's necessary, you just come find me, and I will help you out. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm trying to make the world a better place, Ben. Don't look at me like that. 
I would just like to point out that you don't do breath exams in urgent care, but I do them in, in uh, family practice. So then come find either one of us. There you go. That, you know what? You're right. That was selfish of me. Ben and I are more than happy to help the uh, women of America find me. That four percent of guys, though Ben is in Kansas, he's always he's always there. No, I won't discriminate. If you want a breast exam, by God, I will do it. I don't care who shows up. So there you go. I'm helping everybody. Ben, I absolutely will do your breast exam. So there you go. Okay. All right. On that note, let me try that again. Oh, hold on. Before we do our sign off, Miss Lana, is there any? last parting things you want to say want to shout out anything you want to you want to do before we uh, end the show here in a minute yeah i don't think so i've enjoyed it thank you for having me on well i mean i'm pretty awesome so you're welcome (laughs) oh my god no yeah no ben and i generally have a really good time so i think i can say for both of us we had a good conversation absolutely yeah we did yeah On that note, I hope everybody has a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there and do those self-breast exams. Save the tatas. $17 million dog. (laughs) Swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. I caught some road bridge and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known